we've got to reimagine our high streets. Our high streets are empty and old traditional retail's dead. This is the future, repair and reuse and third sector and a different way to shop and a different way to consume items. That is the future. So it's very important for me to be in the heart of a high street. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. After co-creating two fixing factories last year, we wanted to hear the experiences and knowledge of other high street repair projects. So for this month's episode of the Restart Project podcast, we've gathered a special panel that spans England, Wales and Scotland. We brought together Katie Ballaris from Remake Newport, Elaine Brown from Edinburgh Remakery, Sue Briggs from Selkirk General Store and Lorna Montgomery from Share and Repair Bath. We gathered together online and everybody was speaking from their respective shops and there was quite a lot of background sound because all of those locations are very busy. So for today's episode, I've mostly used the audio from the online platform that we were talking from, but there are a couple of moments where I use audio from different sources. Our approach to this podcast is very much a restart one and so some episodes will be stuck together with different parts from different places but as any restarter knows that kind of approach can still create great outcomes and this was a great panel everybody had so much knowledge and so many stories to share and we're happy to say that everybody learned from each other inspired each other and that this online meeting resulted in some extra connections and networks forming and we're looking forward to seeing how it all goes for everybody in the future My name's Katie Bolaris and I'm a project manager at Remake Newport, which is based in South Wales. Remake Newport is the first repair and reuse hub based on a high street in Wales and we opened in October 2021. So we're about 15 months old now. We're a partnership between Benthig Cymru and Repair Cafe Wales, who are both community interest companies. Benthig means borrow in Welsh and they've got a library of things network across Wales and there's about 16 in the network at the minute. Repair Cafe Wales has 84 pop-ups now all across Wales, and those are all run by community members and volunteers. Both of those organisations were founded in 2017, and in 2021, they were awarded a Landfill Tax Communities Grant from the Welsh Government to start Remake Newport. So Remake Newport is the first time Benthig and Repair Cafe have partnered up. It's the first trial in a permanent retail space. So we've got a small team of staff and a large team of volunteers. Our ambition is to make borrowing and repairing as easy as popping out for a loaf of bread. So the way the model works, our shop is open Tuesday to Saturday, 10 till 4. We have around 300 items in our library of things. We keep our borrowing fees really low. We've got repair cafe slots every morning from 10 till 1, where we can fix a range of household small electrical items, textiles, anything you can bring down to us, really, apart from white goods and microwaves. That's all done by volunteers, and we work on a donation system for that. So it's if people can afford to donate, excellent. And those that can't, 
absolutely no pressure to. We've got workshop space, so we do eco-workshops. Those are all designed and run by our volunteers. We've got a STEM club. We've got a sewing club. You can hire out the workshop space on a repair-it-yourself model where you can use all of our tools and sewing equipment. We do outreach to schools at local events and do lots of repair skill sharing there. And then more recently, we've become a training hub for future remakes. And we've got four of those at the minute. I'm Elaine Brown. I'm the Chief Exec of the Edinburgh Remakery. We're a social enterprise with charitable status based in, you guessed it, Edinburgh. We have brought repair and reuse to the mainstream because we're in a shopping centre here in the heart of Leith called Ocean Terminal. The Edinburgh Remakery started in 2012 as a community interest group and in 2016 became the Edinburgh Remakery. So we've been going strong since then. So our model is repair and reuse, the circular economy, and really education around that. So introducing people at all different pinch points. So if their passion is environment and wanting to do the right thing for the environment, then the Edinburgh Remakery is for you. If you want to save money, then the Edinburgh Remakery is for you because we sell tech items at low cost. If you just want to have a lovely day out for your mental well-being, to learn a repair skill, then the Edinburgh Remakery is for you because you can come into our wonderful workshop space and learn a repair skill. We try to engage both with environment and social value. So we're connecting communities. Our strapline is waste less, live more. So that's everything that we appeal to people about. We've got various work streams. So the first work stream is tackling e-waste. So we take in donations of old end-of-life IT, but the end-of-life IT for that business or for that individual becomes a new way of life and a new lease of life as we get refurbishing and doing our magic. And we sell that at low cost as part of our social enterprise model, but we also gift as part of our charitable status. So we gift to people who are feeling digital isolation and digital poverty. Our workshop space, People learn how to repair here. So they come in and do wonderful workshops. We have corporate team away days. So corporates come in here and learn about social enterprise, but also learn repair skills. We rent out our space. We rent sewing machines. So we do a huge amount here. We also have several community clubs every week come in and get a nice cup of tea, slice of cake and learn a repair skill and feel engaged in the community. We also have our tech donation boxes that go out across Edinburgh and beyond. We've got three down in London at the moment where they're helping individuals ethically dispose of their tech. We do so much. I could go on for ages. So this is a long introduction. My name's Sue Briggs and I'm the CEO of the general store Selkirk and we are a repair mongers. And I'm, I think, the only CEO of a repair mongers in the whole world who has also been murdered in Taggart. But that's probably another podcast. We are a repair monger. We're a shop on the high street, like any other shop on the high street that you go into and you get service and you pay for a service. So we're not a project because that's got a temporary feel to it. We're a repair monger, a shop at the heart of the community. A small community project very much embedded in the centre of Selkirk in the Scottish Borders. Our strapline is, if you can bring it in, we'll take a look. No fix, no fee, which is one of our strategies for building trust. So we piloted in autumn 2020, but kind of gave up because of COVID and launched properly in April 2021. So we've been going about 20 months now. And we have two spaces. One is, of course, our workshop space, 
where most of the magic happens or not. And the other is our retail fundraising space. It's a shop and it's deliberately designed to look vintage and attractive and remind people of the good old days when you didn't chuck stuff out. You had a go, you did some make, do and mend. The retail space is also where people bring their repairs, if you like. So we check them in there and then they get transferred across to the workshop. So the fundraising space, retail space, sells locally handmade goods at a commission from local makers and secondhand donations. And we're really, really well supported by the local community in terms of the kind of donations that they give us to sell on. And that fundraising supports the fixers. Our business model is most of our fixers are paid. So we have four key fixers who work in the workshop and they're paid. We have a range of associate fixers who are also paid on a commission basis. And then, of course, we have volunteers who top us up. We're a community interest company, so we reinvest our profits in two key ways at the moment. I mean, we're still quite young, so still kind of figuring out how to do things and what works and what doesn't. But where we are at the moment is we invest our profits in keeping repair fees low. So we do charge for repairs, but they are low and we do an awful lot for nothing. There's some stuff we just say here, have it. Our experience is that people are incredibly generous with donations or with cake. Either will do. Keep us going. We also reinvest by running a community computer clinic which we team up with a charity around the corner, a young person's charity. They lend us space. And there we offer one-to-one face-to-face help because of the kind of population demographic that Selkirk has. It tends to be older folk who just need a hand because their tech is running slow and they think they've got to get a new one, but actually they don't because we will help them. But also we do do laptop tablet repairs. So the community computer clinic does kind of flush out that sort of thing as well. Hello, I'm Lorna Montgomery and I'm the founder and the chair of trustees for Share and Repair. We are based in Bath and we cover the whole of the Bath and North East Somerset and beyond. Our aim is to change behaviour through practical action and we run four projects to do this. Our first one and our primary one where we started in 2017 are repair cafes and we now run seven repair cafes both in Bath and in the surrounding villages on a Saturday morning. We also run repair sessions from our high street shop in Bath every day that we're open. Our second project is the Library of Things, where we encourage people to borrow, not buy. Our third project is our how-to workshops, and these range from learning to use a sewing machine, maintain a bike, use power tools, And our latest ones are to reduce waste aimed at primary school children where they come and do practical workshops both in the shop and in the classroom, repairing and learning how to share. And our newest one is how to reduce energy aimed at people reducing their costs of energy and improving their installation and so on. And our final project is called Home Kit. And that one's where we take in people's small electrical items, household items, such as kettles, irons and toasters. And we repair them, we pat test them, and then we give them to low-income households who are struggling through the charities in and around Bath. What we didn't realise when we called it Home Kit was that Kit stands for kettles, irons and toasters. So how clever was that? Great to meet you all. I feel like we've already covered so much. 
so many similarities and differences between what you all do, which is really fascinating to hear about. For those of you who don't charge for repairs, which I think is primarily Lorna and Katie, how do you fund this work? What we do at all our repair cafes and in the shop is we say, give what you can, and we use volunteer repairers. And that brings in enough money in the repair cafes to fund their consumables and the village hall. And in the shop, it funds a part of the shop manager's salary and the rest of it we get from grant-making trusts. For that particular part, we don't need that much more for repairs. So there is a kind of element of you don't officially charge, but it's pay what you can or pay what you like. So, Katie, I think you said in your introduction that maybe you rely on volunteers more. We definitely rely on our volunteers in terms of the project would not run if we didn't have all of these fantastic volunteers giving their time, knowledge, skills, passion and commitment to the project. We've got a repair cafe and the library of things. And so we've got all sorts of opportunities for volunteering and we definitely rely on them. If they weren't there volunteering, the project wouldn't be running. But because we're based in a retail unit on a high street, of course, there's overheads involved in that. So we've got a grant at the minute from the WCVA, which is Welsh Government at Source. And that's running for two years and it's up in June. So that's to support the small team of staff. So we've got one store manager, one community outreach and volunteer coordinator, and then myself and another project manager who are also tasked under that fund to expand the network across Wales. So we've got four additional remakes that we're currently in various stages of working with to try and establish a network in line with Welsh Government's Beyond Recycling Strategy, which hopes to achieve 80 repair and reuse hubs across Wales. Generally, we're grant funded at the minute. We also look at small community pots of funding. In the repair cafe area, we take donations, so same as Lorna. And we find that that's actually one of our main revenue income streams is from the donations. But we've also got the library of things. So we charge very small fees for our borrows, but that is an income generation for us. And then we've got the workshops as well. So we do charge for workshops. But again, really low fees. And if people can't access us for any reason, it's just a conversation with us and we can support people to just come take part with us. So looking to the future, we will be looking for more income generation and looking to become more sustainable and eventually, hopefully not have to rely on grants. Absolutely. And so Elaine and Sue, at your shops, you have a different business model in that you sell refurbished devices and also have paid repair technicians for customer repairs. How has this been working for you? How's it been working for us? Pretty well, actually. So our fee structures that we charge is still a bit, you know, finger in the air and based on things like the value of the item that we're repairing. But we are covering all of our fixers' salaries with the two main income streams that we have. So that's repair and the shop itself. When I was setting up, I'd visited repair cafes and was really kind of in love with the idea and started to sort of think about doing it that way. But I guess for me personally, I was a bit worried about me on my own having to reinvent the wheel every month that we had them. I wasn't in any way embedded in the third sector. I didn't have connections. I didn't know how funding worked, any of that. I just fancied doing repair. So I shied away from that at the beginning and I spoke to a lot of people, including Elaine from the Remakery, about how to do things. So from very early on in my head, it was like, well, we're going to do it as a proper shop. We're going to do it as a business. 
you know, I said it before that we're repair mongers. So we're going to be on the high street and we're going to have people who work for us and we're going to charge. If it's a no fix, people don't pay any fees. But what I found, like somebody else said, is that people are just really generous with donations. They like the idea that you've spent time and tried to fix their item. The Edinburgh Remakery, there's 20 staff here and they're all paid. We're a living wage employer. So our model is that volunteers just sort of come in to help, but all our work on repair is done by our paid staff. We do have repair cafes, free repair cafes every Friday, a free textile repair cafe and a free hardware repair cafe. And that is funded through various bits of pieces of funding that we get, but also part of our social enterprise model then feeds into paying for that. So we want that to be free at source to take away any stigma to make it very accessible and again some people donate money afterwards as well which is great we also have a free one-to-one booking appointment so for people who want to come in and get their hardware repaired they come in and that's 50 pounds an hour to get that done and that's been really popular we just brought those back in december and in january we had 20 of those and then obviously the refurbished tech that we sell pays for itself so we're income generating so before covid we were 80 percent income generating with only one small 20% funding. Obviously, COVID flipped that on its head. And now we are coming back full force. Last year, we did really, really well. So it's showing us that repair is definitely what people want to do. It shows us that refurbished buying is definitely working and it's a viable business model. And that is absolutely crucial. I think repair and reuse has to become a sustainable model. That's really interesting. Like you're all doing slightly different things, but all of you are thinking about low income people and higher income people and different levels of people's ability or repair skills, finding where the money can come, but also not stopping people from getting involved if they can't afford to pay money. How do the locations and the local demographics of your initiatives affect all of those projects? For example, Selkirk is quite remote in terms of its location. And then there's going to be differences in the affluence of people between, say, Bath and Newport. What are your thoughts around those kind of things? In affluent Bath, we have repair cafes in different areas and the areas where it's a definite, very low income area. We don't get anything like as much traffic as we do in the more affluent, where people recognize the environmental impact, the financial impact for them. And I just find it completely fascinating that that is the case. And similarly, with the villages roundabout, they all have different uptake, and it is the more affluent that have the greater uptake. I find that fascinating. I mean, that's interesting. I think that's likely to be about time and resources that people have. In addition to that, it is very much about the location within that area and whether it's within a a shopping area where there's a lot of traffic, you know, easy parking. All those are constituent factors and they definitely make a difference. The high street location that we're on, definitely post-COVID, there's obviously a decline in the traditional sort of retail model. And we like to feel like we are part of the reimagining of the high streets. 
Newport City Homes support us with our rent. They want to try and see more projects coming back to the city centre. And we're certainly seeing more community type projects. There's us, there's a skate park, there's bike storage, there's a community arts centre that's just opened up. And as part of that, we're finding that it's much easier to collaborate with those, make partnerships with those and sort of engage with different communities through those partnerships. And I guess the physical location of being on a high street, we've got great public transport links. I think in Newport, particularly, the demographic there is lower income. We are learning lessons all the time about how to engage with that community. And we are sort of tailoring our outreach to different audiences that we're talking to and finding opportunities and different ways of engaging with the community. I'd say our online presence, interestingly, is a completely different demographic. So it's sort of middle-aged, middle-class type engagement online and possibly for the more environmental rewards and benefits of being part of that community. What we're seeing in store is maybe a slightly older demographic, but still quite broad. And people are giving us feedback in store that they are accessing us as more of a cost-saving reward than the environmental reward. Although everybody loves the idea and obviously wants to have that environmental impact as well. That makes a lot of sense. So the Scottish contingent. Yes, location, location, location. It's really, really important. We're based in Leith. It's an area of multiple deprivation. That's where our history started. But I have to say now, people come to us at different pinch points. So our community clubs, for instance, are very much a certain demographic who are feeling sort of isolated, have that lower income bracket. Our repair cafes, because we make it free for all, we're seeing all demographics there. Our business tech disposal service, obviously we're dealing with corporates, businesses from all sectors are now engaging with us as a social enterprise and charity, which is amazing. And part of my mission is to have third sector and corporates working in harmony. We can each learn from each other. We have school kids coming in and obviously as well, being mainstream, being on the high street. Our high streets are dying. And and as Kate said, we've got to reimagine our high streets. And our high streets are empty and old traditional retail is dead. This is the future, repair and reuse and third sector and a different way to shop and a different way to consume items. That is the future. So it's very important for me to be in the heart of a high street. We've had real problems and challenges of premises in Edinburgh. The cost of premises is huge and it's pushing the third sector out of high streets. And I really think if we're going to reimagine these high streets, rent has got to be realistic because we are not going to bring in masses of income. We will cover our costs and the profits we make, we plough back into our community. So we don't want to feed this landlord culture of greed. I think if repair and reuse is going to survive, I really think that we've got to speak to cities and say, come on, if you really want this net zero in Edinburgh, we want net zero by 2030. That's great. We're on board. We'll do that. But you've got to have us in the high street. You've got to support us and subsidise us. Katie, it was very interesting you saying your local authority is subsidising your rent. That would be amazing. There's no subsidy here in Edinburgh. So that's something that has to be tackled because where you're positioned and how you attract the demographics, we have to be here to be able to do that. And at the moment, we're getting priced out. Right. And what's the news from Selkirk? Selkirk, there's about five and a half thousand people. And then we've got surrounding villages. We're small. People travel from the villages to us. So what difference does it make? We're right on marketplace and we absolutely are part of the community. I mean, we kind of know everything that's going on, if you know what I mean. 
And people come in for a chat and to talk about repairs or to talk about actually solving problems. A lot of the time, a lot of our older folk will come in just to ask how you might do that. Our clientele do tend to be at the upper end of the age range. So far, 20s, 30s something, we haven't got so many of them. And I have a theory that our local demographic, being a bit older, they understand things like thrift and make do and mend and saving money and throw away society. We don't want to be that anymore. So we tend not to have conversations about things like the circular economy. I don't find they really relate to it, whereas they relate to coming in and feeling a bit nostalgic in the shop. We are hugely busy. Last November, we did our most of our monthly repairs, which was 200. When we started 20 months ago, we were doing about 30, you know, like part-timers, yeah. But 200 we cleared at the end of November, which was for us absolutely astonishing. So I don't think we fixed everything in Selkirk yet, but it feels like we might. In Bath, we are lucky that the council give us a shop. So we are extremely lucky. And obviously, we don't have to pay business rate because we're a charity. But there's a model that is being tested soon in Bristol, and it's going to be called Spark. And it's in the old M&S building in Broadmead, right in the centre of Bristol. And they are going to have sort of a replica of the Swedish mall on reuse, repair, recycle, etc. It's also going to have a library of things that have repair. So it's very exciting. And they're spending six months making this model fantastic so that it's not just a thrown together affair, but it will be an example of good practice. Lorna, that just sounds amazing. That is my dream, a reuse and repair hub like that. And we're based in Ocean Terminal, and I'd hope that Ocean Terminal might have seen that vision because, you know, their retail is sort of dying in here and social enterprises have kept it vibrant over COVID. But that is the model that we want to aspire to. So I'm really going to look forward to hearing more about the Spark. It's only one year lease they've got at the moment. I think they're hoping if they make it look amazing, then they'll be fine. That's actually a very good point. The look, because do you know that historically, if you went into a repair shop of whatever kind, and they'd be like an old fella had come out from behind the curtain and he'd be wiping his lunch off his mouth, and there'd be like half an inch thick dust on an old jar of polish, shoe polish on the counter. That's what people associate or have associated with getting stuff repaired. Whereas, like, if you're actually kind of funky and a bit different, or you look good, or sleek, or corporate, or whatever, but attractive and modern, then I think it makes a huge difference. We were really conscious of that in our design stage. We wanted it to look really cool when you walked in. We wanted it to be quite engaging, have tools displayed up on the wall and quite colourful. And we really thought about the branding and the image that we were going to be portraying to people. And I think we've achieved that. Lots of people say they love coming into the shop and it looks fab. That all makes a lot of sense. Making the spaces welcoming, that's really important to bring new people in and to teach elder millennial dogs new tricks, you know. Why do you find lending libraries work so well in your spaces and how has it helped you to provide more services to the community? We've got a really lovely shop front now and window display and it's something completely different on the high street. So when people walk past us, they're immediately engaged in what we're doing. We get loads of people coming in and being like, what is this? And they almost can't believe it when we tell them they can get free repairs here and they can come and learn skills and they can have a cup of coffee for free if they want to. And they can sit down, they can have a cuppa and a chat. It's a community hub rather than a shop. 
that we are running. I feel like there's just all that added social value. We do repairs. We are a library of things. You can come and hire stuff. You can come and get a repair done. But the essence of what we do is all about community. It's about bringing people together. And I love being in the shop and the atmosphere in there is electric. You've got people of all generations, all ages in there talking about repair and sharing tips and knowledge and anecdotes about things they've done in their life and the way that they look at repair and reuse. And you've got an 80-year-old talking to a 20-year-old and both sort of sitting and sharing a skill and building a bond and a relationship. It's fab. Our volunteer demographic is 18 to 84 and every single age and background in between. And I can't think of many other places where you can get that type of eclectic, diverse mix of people coming together on such an important subject as environment, climate change, skillshare and repair and reuse. So it's fab. Katie, I have to agree with everything you've said. I see us as a catalyst for further action and we're working out how we can inspire people. We had the best quote ever in our first shop. This guy came in and he said, Oh, wow. This is the best thing to happen to Bath since the Romans. (laughs) We are in a tourist town, so we get a huge amount of tourists coming in going, oh, wow, every town should have one. So we're inspiring other places to get the same thing. And like Newport, we are always helping other places to do that. We try and make it as accessible as possible. We have a cargo bike so we can deliver because in Bath, we have a bus gate so you can't drive through the city. And therefore, the people south of the river, I feel we neglect because they don't come up to the top part of town. So we're doing a big promotion on that to inspire people in the south part of the town to use us by using the cargo bike, thereby reducing journeys and increasing uptake. But I mean, every year we literally increase by 100% year on year. It is quite amazing, really. And people just love it. There's no other word for it. They just love it. And it's so exciting. We get similar feedback. Everybody absolutely loves the concept. It's a very new concept to a lot of people that we engage with. They come in, they go, what is this idea? Wow, why is there one of these everywhere? And we say, we're the start of this in Wales and we want there to be one in every single town. We want the 20-minute neighbourhood model. We want everybody to have one of these. We want to make borrowing and repairing as easy as popping out for a loaf of bread. And we are going to work our hardest to make that happen. Like Lorna was saying, we support loads of other projects as well. So Remake Newport now is a bit of a training hub for all of those people to come get inspired as to what might work for their community, take those ideas back out to their community and see what works for them. Yeah, I mean, you're inspiring me right this moment. Where do you see the most potential for this type of high street repair becoming more common? I just think it is the future. I am in no doubt that we will move towards that. The problem that we have is we've got to move at pace now. Certainly in Edinburgh, we've got a target, very ambitious target of net zero by 2030. That gives us very little wriggle room. So I think, you know, we've proven that this is a business model that works. We've absolutely proven that people love it. We're engaging with all different demographics. And so what's stopping us now? So I think it's absolutely the way of the future. I think that people are realising that consumerism and vast consumerism and plundering finite resources of the planet is just not sustainable. 
And what I really see is the potential of seeing that second hand is not second best. The default setting will always be that you buy your refurbished tech. You don't buy a new piece. You either buy refurbished or you learn the repair skills to repair it yourself or that you have more places like us where you can get repair. Because if you make things simple, if you make things easy for people, people will do the right thing. They want to, but often it's complicated. They don't quite know what to do. And so the remakery, we listen to any barrier. So make it simple, make it clear, make it attractive and people will do it. So I think the future is bright. The future is green. The future is sustainable and the future is definitely share and repair. And I'd say from our perspective, making Remake Newport a training hub and looking to us being as sort of the gold standard, we're experimenting with all of the different types of models. And it's been amazing to speak to all of you today and take away some of those ideas. Definitely going to go and try out some of those. We've been testing out all of these different models so we can teach other people and just allow people to hit the ground running so we can emulate this at pace across Wales and hopefully the rest of the UK as well. Some of our pop-up repair cafes are based in England now. So going back to the question where we see most potential for this high street repair becoming more common, honestly, I feel like it can be everywhere in every town. That is our ambition. And International Repair Day last year, the theme was repair everywhere. So we would like it everywhere. And I think it depends on the community that you're in as to what works best. For some, it's going to be a pop-up model in a community venue once a month. For others, it will be a permanent venue. Just a couple of examples of stuff that's already going on in Wales. Up in Wrexham, there's the Borrow Bus, a bus that's servicing a rural location. And so it goes round to different towns and villages and sets itself up and people can borrow the items and it will come and pick them up the next week. That's a really interesting model. And that's in a couple of places in the UK as well, I believe. Going out to outreach and things, they just look fantastic. One of our new remakes is up in the valleys. And again, rural location, really difficult to get about up there. So they are going to be trialing a click and collect model. They're partnering up with the other community organizations to act as satellites. So it'll be really interesting to see what the learning is from that. And I guess it works both ways with high streets because high streets are struggling to populate themselves at this moment as well. So it's really great for organisations to move into those spaces that are struggling and turn that around for the high streets and the communities that use the high streets as well. The high street is never just a collection of buildings. It's the people who walk through those buildings that really matter. And so to end up, what's your top recommendations for somebody who's wanting to set up a similar project to the ones that you're doing? My top tips from the general store are if you're paying your fixers, get comfortable declaring no fix because otherwise hours and hours will be spent on something that's just going to go down the plug hole. Manage your people. Professionalism really does matter. And tidy. Tidy up, tidy up, tidy up, tidy up. I would say, firstly, see what's available local to you, but then reach out to your community and ask them what would work for them. I think it has to be people-led. If you want people to engage in things, if you ask the community what they want, you can then tailor your service to what is actually needed. And thirdly, from our perspective in Wales, if you are based in Wales, then please contact Repair Cafe Wales, Lenthig Cymru or us at Remake Newport and we can help you and assist you and guide you. I think I would say similar to that, but also just seek assistance from those who've done it before, as well as your community. And as Katie said, engage with your community because there's lots of people out there who are willing to volunteer and get involved. Just do it. 
Yeah, absolutely echo that. It is a brilliant thing to do. You will never regret it. You'll feel good every day. It feels good to do good. We're doing good for a community. We're doing good for the planet. Let's not reinvent the wheel. There's loads of organisations in Scotland. There's a share and repair network that's got a wealth of information. And every organisation that I've ever asked for help have been willing to do it. I mean, here today, it's just wonderful listening. We're willing to help. There's a desire to do it. Don't be frightened. Seize the day. And together, we will really make that difference. It's so encouraging to hear from these projects that are happening all over the UK. And we know that there are lots more people who are doing great work that we didn't cover in this episode. While all of them run in slightly different ways, their aim is all pointing towards the same goal. To make repair and reuse more accessible. In fact, to make repair and reuse the norm. And it's a big goal, but with so many of us working together, we know that it can be done. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at therestartproject.org where we've also set up a fundraiser. So if you've enjoyed this episode, do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications producer, Holly, who does the research and the planning for the podcast. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>